Section 7 of On the Various Forces of Nature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in June 2021. On the Various Forces of Nature by Michael Faraday. Section 7 lecture four chemical affinity heat we shall have to pay a little more attention to the forces existing in water before we can have a clear idea on the subject besides the attraction which there is between its particles to make it hold together as a liquid or a solid there is also another force different from the former one which yesterday by means of the voltaic battery we overcame drawing from the water two different substances which when heated by means of the electric spark attracted each other and rushed into combination to reproduce water now i propose to-day to continue this subject and trace the various phenomena of chemical affinity and for this purpose as we yesterday considered the character of oxygen of which i have here two jars oxygen being those particles derived from the water which enable other bodies to burn we will now consider the other constituent of water and without embarrassing you too much with the way in which these things are made i will proceed now to show you our common way of making hydrogen i called it hydrogen yesterday it is so called because it helps to generate water i put into this retort some zinc water and oil of vitriol and immediately an action takes place which produces an abundant evolution of gas now coming over into this jar and bubbling up in appearance exactly like the oxygen we obtained yesterday the processes you see are very different though the result is the same in so far as it gives us certain gaseous particles here then is the hydrogen i showed you yesterday certain qualities of this gas now let me exhibit you some other properties unlike oxygen which is a supporter of combustion and will not burn hydrogen itself is combustible there is a jar full of it and if i carry it along in this manner and put a light to it i think you will see it take fire not with a bright light you will at all events hear it if you do not see it now that is a body entirely different from oxygen it is extremely light for although yesterday you saw twice as much of this hydrogen produced on the one side as on the other by the voltaic battery it was only one-eighth the weight of oxygen i carry this jar upside down why because i know that it is a very light body and that it will continue in this jar upside down quite as effectually as the water will in that jar which is not upside down and just as i can pour water from one vessel into another in the right position to receive it so can i pour this gas from one jar into another when they are upside down see what i am about to do there is no hydrogen in this jar at present but i will gently turn this jar of hydrogen up under this other jar figure twenty eight and then we will examine the two 
we shall see on applying a light that the hydrogen has left the jar in which it was at first and has poured upwards into the other and there we shall find it you now understand that we can have particles of very different kinds and that they can have different bulks and weights and there are two or three very interesting experiments which serve to illustrate this for instance if i blow soap bubbles with the breath from my mouth you will see them fall because i fill them with common air and the water which forms the bubble carries it down but now if i inhale hydrogen gas into my lungs it does no harm to the lungs although it does no good to them see what happens Parentheses, the lecturer inhaled some hydrogen and after one or two ineffectual attempts succeeded in blowing a very splendid bubble which rose majestically and slowly to the ceiling of the theatre where it burst Close parentheses. that shows you very well how light a substance this is for notwithstanding all the heavy bad air from my lungs and the weight of the bubble you saw how it was carried up i want you now to consider this phenomenon of weight as indicating how exceedingly different particles are one from the other and i will take as illustrations these very common things air water the heaviest body platinum and this gas and observe how they differ in this respect for if i take a piece of platinum of that size figure twenty nine it is equal to the weight of portions of water air and hydrogen of the bulks i have represented in these spheres and this illustration gives you a very good idea of the extraordinary difference with regard to the gravity of the articles having this enormous difference in bulk parentheses the following tabular statement having reference to this illustration appeared on the diagram board hydrogen one air fourteen point four to one water eleven thousand nine hundred and forty three to eight twenty nine to one platinum two hundred and fifty six thousand seven hundred and seventy four to seventeen thousand eight hundred and thirty one to twenty one point five whenever oxygen and hydrogen unite together they produce water and you have seen the extraordinary difference between the bulk and appearance of the water so produced and the particles of which it consists chemically now we have never yet been able to reduce either oxygen or hydrogen to the liquid state and yet their first impulse when chemically combined is to take up first this liquid condition and then the solid condition we never combine these different particles together without producing water and it is curious to think how often you must have made the experiment of combining oxygen and hydrogen to form water without knowing it take a candle for instance and a clean silver spoon or a piece of clean tin will do and if you hold it over the flame you immediately cover it with dew not a smoke which presently evaporates this perhaps will serve to show it better mr anderson will put a candle under that jar and you will see how soon the water is produced figure thirty look at the dimness on the sides of the glass which will soon produce drops and trickle down into the plate well that dimness and these drops are water formed by the union of the oxygen of the air with the hydrogen existing in the wax of which that candle is formed 
and now having brought you in the first place to the consideration of chemical attraction i must enlarge your ideas so as to include all substances which have this attraction for each other for it changes the character of bodies and alters them in this way and that way in the most extraordinary manner and produces other phenomena wonderful to think about here is some chlorate of potash and there some sulphuret of antimony we will mix these two different sets of particles together and i want to show you in a general sort of way some of the phenomena which take place when we make different particles act together now i can make these bodies act upon each other in several ways in this case i am going to apply heat to the mixture but if i were to give a blow with a hammer the same result would follow a lighted match was brought to the mixture which immediately exploded with a sudden flash evolving a dense white smoke Close parentheses. there you see the result of the action of chemical affinity overcoming the attraction of cohesion of the particles again here is a little sugar quite a different substance from the black sulphuret of antimony and you shall see what takes place when we put the two together Parentheses, the mixture was touched with sulfuric acid when it took fire and burnt gradually and with a brighter flame than in the former instance Close parentheses. observe this chemical affinity traveling about the mass and setting it on fire and throwing it into such wonderful agitation i must now come to a few circumstances which require careful consideration we have already examined one of the effects of this chemical affinity but to make the matter more clear we must point out some others and here are two salts dissolved in water they are both colorless solutions and in these glasses you cannot see any difference between them but if i mix them you shall have chemical attraction take place i will pour the two together in this glass and you will at once see i have no doubt a certain amount of change look they are already becoming milky but they are sluggish in their action not quick as the others were for we have endless varieties of rapidity in chemical action now if i mix them together and stir them so as to bring them properly together you will soon see what a different result is produced as i mix them they get thicker and thicker and you see the liquid is hardening and stiffening and before long i shall have it quite hard and before the end of the lecture it will be a solid stone a wet stone no doubt but more or less solid in consequence of the chemical affinity is not this changing two liquids into a solid body a wonderful manifestation of chemical affinity there is another remarkable circumstance in chemical affinity which is that it is capable of either waiting or acting at once and this is very singular because we know of nothing of the kind in the forces either of gravitation or cohesion for instance here are some oxygen particles and here is a lump of carbon particles i am going to put the carbon particles into the oxygen they can act but they do not they are just like this unlighted candle it stands here quietly on the table waiting until we want to light it but it is not so in this other case 
here is a substance gaseous like oxygen and if i put these particles of metal into it the two combine at once the copper and the chlorine unite by their power of chemical affinity and produce a body entirely unlike either of the substances used and in this other case it is not that there is any deficiency of affinity between the carbon and oxygen for the moment i choose to put them in a condition to exert their affinity you will see the difference Parentheses, the piece of charcoal was ignited and introduced into the jar of oxygen when the combustion proceeded with vivid scintillations Close parentheses. now this chemical action is set going exactly as it would be if i had lighted the candle or as it is when the servant puts coals on and lights the fire the substances wait until we do something which is able to start the action can anything be more beautiful than this combustion of charcoal in oxygen you must understand that each of these little sparks is a portion of the charcoal or the bark of the charcoal thrown off white-hot into the oxygen and burning in it most brilliantly as you see and now let me tell you another thing or you will go away with a very imperfect notion of the powers and effects of this affinity there you see some charcoal burning in oxygen well a piece of lead will burn in oxygen just as well as the charcoal does or indeed better for absolutely that piece of lead will act at once upon the oxygen as the copper did in the other vessel with regard to the chlorine and here also a piece of iron if i light it and put it into the oxygen it will burn away just as the carbon did and i will take some lead and show you that it will burn in the common atmospheric oxygen at the ordinary temperature these are the lumps of lead which you remember we had the other day the two pieces which clung together now these pieces if i take them to-day and press them together will not stick and the reason is that they have attracted from the atmosphere a part of the oxygen there present and have become coated as with a varnish by the oxide of lead which is formed on the surface by a real process of combustion or combination there you see the iron burning very well in oxygen and i will tell you the reason why those scissors and that lead do not take fire whilst they are lying on the table here the lead is in a lump and the coating of oxide remains on its surface whilst there you see the melted oxide is clearing itself off from the iron and allowing more and more to go on burning in this case however parentheses holding up a small glass tube containing lead pyrophorus close parentheses the lead has been very carefully produced in fine powder and put into a glass tube and hermetically sealed so as to preserve it and i expect you will see it take fire at once this has been made about a month ago and has thus had time enough to sink down to its normal temperature what you see therefore is the result of chemical affinity alone Parenthesis. the tube was broken at the end and the lead poured out on to a piece of paper whereupon it immediately took fire Close parentheses. look look at the lead burning why it has set fire to the paper now that is nothing more than the common affinity always existing between very clean lead and the atmospheric oxygen and the reason why this iron does not burn until it is made red hot 
is because it has got a coating of oxide about it which stops the action of the oxygen putting a varnish as it were upon its surface as we varnish a picture absolutely forming a substance which prevents the natural chemical affinity between the bodies from acting i must now take you a little further in this kind of illustration or consideration i would rather call it of chemical affinity this attraction between different particles exists also most curiously in cases where they are previously combined with other substances here is a little chlorate of potash containing the oxygen which we found yesterday could be procured from it it contains the oxygen there combined and held down by its chemical affinity with other things but still it can combine with sugar as you saw this affinity can thus act across substances and i want you to see how curiously what we call combustion acts with respect to this force of chemical affinity if i take a piece of phosphorus and set fire to it and then place a jar of air over the phosphorus you see the combustion which we are having there on account of chemical affinity parentheses, combustion being in all cases the result of chemical affinity parentheses closed the phosphorus is escaping in that vapor which will condense into a snow-like mass at the close of the lecture but suppose i limit the atmosphere what then why even the phosphorus will go out here is a piece of camphor which will burn very well in the atmosphere and even on water it will float about and burn by reason of some of its particles gaining access to the air but if i limit the quantity of air by placing a jar over it as i am doing now you will soon find the camphor will go out well why does it go out not for want of air for there is plenty of air remaining in the jar perhaps you will be shrewd enough to say for want of oxygen this therefore leads us to the inquiry as to whether oxygen can do more than a certain amount of work the oxygen there in figure thirty cannot go on burning an unlimited quantity of candle for that has gone out as you see and its amount of chemical attraction or affinity is just as strikingly limited it can no more be fallen short of or exceeded than can the attraction of gravitation you might as soon attempt to destroy gravitation or weight or all things that exist as to destroy the exact amount of force exerted by this oxygen and when i pointed out to you that eight by weight of oxygen to one by weight of hydrogen went to form water i meant this that neither of them would combine in different proportions with the other for you cannot get ten of hydrogen to combine with six of oxygen or ten of oxygen to combine with six of hydrogen it must be eight of oxygen and one of hydrogen now suppose i limit the action in this way this piece of cotton wool burns as you see very well in the atmosphere and i have known of cases of cotton mills being fired as if with gunpowder through the very finely divided particles of cotton being diffused through the atmosphere in the mill when it has sometimes happened that a flame has caught these raised particles and it has run from one end of the mill to the other and blown it up that then is on account of the affinity which the cotton has for the oxygen but suppose i set fire to this piece of cotton which is rolled up tightly 
it does not go on burning because i have limited the supply of oxygen and the inside is prevented from having access to the oxygen just as it was in the case of the lead by the oxide but here is some cotton which has been imbued with oxygen in a certain manner i need not trouble you now with the way it is prepared it is called gun cotton see how that burns setting fire to the piece it is very different from the others because the oxygen that must be present in its proper amount is put there beforehand and i have here some pieces of paper which are prepared like gun cotton and imbued with bodies containing oxygen here is some which has been soaked in nitrate of strontonia you will see the beautiful red color of its flame and here is another which i think contains barita which gives that fine green light and i have here some more which has been soaked in nitrate of copper it does not burn quite so brightly but still very beautifully in all these cases the combustion goes on independent of the oxygen of the atmosphere and here we have some gunpowder put into a case in order to show that it is capable of burning under water you know that we have put it into a gun shutting off the atmosphere with shot and yet the oxygen which it contains supplies the particles with that without which chemical action could not proceed now i have a vessel of water here and i am going to make the experiment of putting this fuse under the water and you will see whether that water can extinguish it here it is burning out of the water and there it is burning under the water and so it will continue until exhausted and all by reason of the requisite amount of oxygen being contained within the substance it is by this kind of attraction of different particles one to the other that we are enabled to trace the laws of chemical affinity and the wonderful variety of the exertions of these laws now i want you to observe that one great exertion of this power which is known as chemical affinity is to produce heat and light you know as a matter of fact no doubt that when bodies burn they give out heat but it is a curious thing that this heat does not continue the heat goes away as soon as the action stops and you see thereby that it depends upon the action during the time it is going on it is not so with gravitation this force is continuous and is just as effective in making that lead press on the table as it was when it first fell there nothing occurs there which disappears when the action of falling is over the pressure is upon the table and will remain there until the lead is removed whereas in the action of chemical affinity to give light and heat they go away immediately the action is over this lamp seems to evolve heat and light continuously but it is owing to a constant stream of air coming into it on all sides and this work of producing light and heat by chemical affinity will subside as soon as the stream of air is interrupted what then is this curious condition of heat why is the evolution of another power of matter of a power new to us and which we must consider as if it were now for the very first time brought under our notice what is heat 
we recognize heat by its power of liquefying solid bodies and vaporizing liquid bodies by its power of setting in action and very often overcoming chemical affinity then how do we obtain heat we obtain it in various ways most abundantly by means of the chemical affinity we have just been before speaking about but we can also obtain it in many other ways friction will produce heat the indians rub pieces of wood together until they make them hot enough to take fire and such things have been known as two branches of a tree rubbing together so hard as to set the tree on fire i do not suppose i shall set these two pieces of wood on fire by friction but i can readily produce heat enough to ignite some phosphorus the lecturer here rubbed two pieces of cedar wood strongly against each other for a minute and then placed them on a piece of phosphorus which immediately took fire and if you take a smooth metal button stuck on a cork and rub it on a piece of soft deal wood you will make it so hot as to scorch wood and paper and burn a match i am now going to show you that we can obtain heat not by chemical affinity alone but by the pressure of air suppose i take a pellet of cotton and moisten it with a little ether and put it into a glass tube figure thirty one and then take a piston and press it down suddenly i expect i shall be able to burn a little of that ether in the vessel it wants a suddenness of pressure or we shall not do what we require Parentheses. the piston was forcibly pressed down when a flame due to the combustion of the ether was visible in the lower part of the syringe Close parentheses. all we want is to get a little ether in vapor and give fresh air each time and so we may go on again and again getting heat enough by the compression of air to fire the ether vapor this then i think will be sufficient accompanied with all you have previously seen to show you how we produce heat and now for the effects of this power we need not consider many of them on the present occasion because when you have seen its power of changing ice into water and water into steam you have seen the two principal results of the application of heat i want you now to see how it expands all bodies all bodies but one and that under limited circumstances mr anderson will hold a lamp under that retort and you will see the moment he does so that the air will issue abundantly from the neck which is under water because the heat which he applies to the air causes it to expand and here is a brass rod figure thirty two which goes through that hole and fits also accurately into this gauge but if i make it warm with this spirit lamp it will only go in the gauge or through the hole with difficulty and if i were to put it into boiling water it would not go through at all again as soon as the heat escapes from the bodies they collapse see how the air is contracting in the vessel now that mr anderson has taken away his lamp the stem of it is filling with water notice too now that although i cannot get the tube through this hole or into the gauge the moment i cool it by dipping it into water it goes through with perfect facility so that we have perfect proof of this power of heat to contract and expand bodies end of section seven